An interesting interview with the former Denver Snuffer fan next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Continuing with our series asking the question, why do people insist on following mere men when they should be following only Jesus? Mm-hmm. Last time we ended in the middle of a discussion about Denver Snuffer, who is a more recent example of people gathering around others, a uh, man who has messages that their itching ears want to hear, as the Bible puts it. Mm-hmm. We have a guest this time who is an ex-member of the Denver Snuffer following, but first we want to finish up with what we were discussing last time in Denver Snuffer's teaching about Joseph Smith. He remains a believer in Joseph Smith as a true mm-hmm. prophet. In fact, he said, and, and I quote, Joseph offered humility, light, and truth. Hiram was a mortal a moral man of unquestioned integrity. The LDS Church Historian's Office shamefully throws mud at both these men to uphold the wickedness of those who got control after their murders, end quote. Now, in saying this, Snuffer is rewriting actual history about Joseph Smith, Mm -hmm. repeating what the LDS Church itself has been doing these many years by sanitizing the accounts of Joseph Smith's activities. It never ends, and the process of doing this never ends, actually. And sadly, many people are deceived in following them into those errors. Now, Snuffer claims that Smith offered humility, light, and truth, and that he and Hiram were virtuous men. But unless he has redefined the, the, what virtuous means, that cannot be true. Both of them lived and taught in opposition to what the Bible teaches, and there's plenty of evidence in journals and diaries and personal testimony, even court cases and documents that Brigham Young could never have had the opportunity to corrupt, as he claims. How could he possibly have located them all anyway, or even know that some of them existed? Now, Hiram Smith had four wives and eight children, obviously following his brother Joseph into polygamy, and only a false god would command polygamy. So, so Hiram wasn't a moral man either with integrity. He was also invol- involved with the magic and the money digging that his brother Joseph was engaged in. And Hiram became a Freemason in 1827 where questionable practices and behaviors took place. Hiram also tried to get Emma to agree to Joseph's polygamy. A godly man would never involve himself in those kinds of activities. Mm -hmm. Snuffer said that Joseph Smith offered humility, light, and truth. We have a statement (laughs) illustrating Joseph's humility or lack of it, and I quote, he said, God made Aaron to be the mouthpiece for the children of Israel, and he will make me, excuse me, be God to you in his stead and the elders to be a mouth for me, and if you don't like it, you must lump it. Now, if this illustrates humility, we oppose their definition. Another quote by Smith that illustrates his lack of humility is this. He said, I have more to boast of than any other man any had, ever any man had. I am the only man that has ever been able to keep a whole church together since the days of Adam. A large majority of the whole have stood by me. Neither Paul, John, Peter, nor Jesus ever did it. I boast that no man ever did such a work as I. The followers of Jesus ran away from him, but the Latter-day Saints never ran away from me yet. 
Now, of course, that's not true. A lot of a, a lot of people left the early Mormon Smith movement, but Snuffer and his followers say that the LDS Church itself has changed the truth about Joseph Smith. But that's what he said, and they and his Snuffer claims that Brigham Young is the one, the culprit, who changed the history. But Brigham Young always backed up Joseph Smith. He glorified him. In fact, Brigham taught that no one gets into heaven without Joseph Smith's okay. And so to complete our series, Why Should People Follow Men When They Should Only Be Following Jesus, we have a guest, a woman who became a follower of Denver Snuffer, but discovered that something was very wrong. So Mm -hmm. here to share her story, I would like to introduce and thank her for coming is Jolene Phelps. Hi, thank you for having me on your uh, show, Doris. You. You've got such a, a lovely story to tell oh. that, uh, you know, it just fits right into our topic that we've yeah. been doing now for two or three times. Yeah. And and we're going to take a couple of shows to okay. talk about your story of okay. being involved both with the LDS Church yeah. and with Denver Snuffer. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be happy to share it. And, and, okay. and we're grateful, you know, if we don't share our stories, who's going to really know yeah. the experiences that come up uh, so as, as we show the errors of, of some of these people mm-hmm. uh, and their teachings? So your journey actually included, in a way, a quest for closeness with Jesus, mm-hmm. a quest to know God. Oh, yes. And, and you tried different things, and you finally landed mm-hmm. with the true Jesus, which mm-hmm. we'll oh, talk yeah. about that mm-hmm. uh, as we as we wrap this up. But yeah. were you, before you followed Denver Snuffer, were you a member of the LDS Church? Yes, I was all my life. Um, a very strong member. I mean, I would say my, my mom was a cu- Cuban refugee. She came when um, she was about 18 with her mother and sisters, and they lived in New Jersey. And yeah. that's at that time. You know, it was the 60s and it was the, you know, hippie love movements. And and so my poor grandmother trying to raise four teenage daughters there in New York City area, um, I was just not sure how to keep her daughter safe. So when two young, you know, LDS clean cut missionaries show up and, you know, and they have all their standards and she she never really believed the story of Joseph Smith, but she thought this is a safe place. And that's how they became Mormon. So mm-hmm. my mom later married um, a missionary and and so I can't say growing up that we were super active, but by the time I was 12 years old um, and my parents had gone through a divorce, I lived in Gilbert Mesa, Arizona area, mm-hmm. and it's largely Mormons. That's that's all I knew. I only knew LDS people. Yeah. And, um, and so... I needed God, like going through, my mom was going through this divorce and I gravitated towards like just what I knew of God. Yeah. And so I would say I was kind of the instigator that got my family active again because I was the oldest and I would just drag everybody to church on Sunday. <laughs> and so I loved the LDS church. I really did up until, um, I think we I was about 42 years old when my husband and I started to, you know, have some questions and some so, doubts. So you, so you married an LDS man yourself. Yes, yep. He's generational LDS, um, back to the pioneer days of Mormonism. So mm-hmm. very strong family. They, he, there's 10 kids in their family and um, mm-hmm. all but one other than us are very strong LDS family. They're still family. strong very LDS strong family. LDS family. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So, yeah. so you were LDS up until until mm -hmm. how old? Till I was about forty-two years old, and that's when my and so and now let's see, that's been about seven years. I'm forty-nine now. Mm -hmm. So um, at that time, my husband, who's an attorney, the very logical mind started to voice just some inconsistencies, like uh -huh. that he saw some okay. questions he had, and and my sister, who's an, um, a doctor, she um, she was teaching a gospel doctrine class and started to become aware of more things that she had never heard of and mm -hmm. so she left the church and became agnostic and my brother left after her and at that point she was um, I was just you know because the Mormon church kind of gives you this impression that if you leave you're you know you're gonna lose you're your salvation yeah. yeah your family's gonna fall apart and and so I was just crying to my husband their lives are gonna fall apart I was yeah. so worried and my um, my husband said you know don't be so hard on them. He's like, I've got some questions too. And that was the first time That's first, you knew. first I knew of some of these questions he was wrestling with. And now looking back, I can see because there was some like sadness I could see in him and some passivity that had come into our marriage, into like his walk with God. And I couldn't understand it. Um, until he started to share, like mm -hmm. I have some mm -hmm. questions, mm -hmm. and um, as he as we had those questions together, I started to like search within the church, the LDS church. I I didn't dare do look at anti Mormon exactly. literature, right? Yeah. So I started to search for answers to these questions that he was voicing, and um, for a while I pacified myself with these, you know, apologetics coming out of Mormonism. Mm. And, um, but then after a while, those questions could not be answered anymore. And so at that time is when I became aware of Denver Snuffer through a good friend of mine. So you were still part of the LDS Church yeah. when you became aware of him. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. And so a good friend of ours um, turned me on to him and gave me the book. Um, his, I think it's his first one, the Second Comforter. Uh -huh. And um, and for those that might not know, the Second Comforter um, is is the appearance of Jesus Smith to you in the flesh, and or this is what Jesus or Joseph Smith coined the Second Comforter is receiving that. Um, I guess it was like your kind of your sealing and anointing made sure it was the, that the, appearance. The second, of, yeah, okay, yeah, I, that uh, witness uh, of the Je second anointing. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's the it's that Jesus has appeared to you in the flesh. So Denver Snuffer was claiming that this had happened to him, um, and I think the draw for me and for many others to this movement was an, uh, a teaching of coming closer to Jesus, spending time with him, which I had never really been taught through, you know, in the LDS. In the LDS yeah, if I, I mean, and through Christianity, we know we teach that a lot, yeah, you know, spending yeah. that time in that secret place and that time alone with God, how important that is to draw, you know, that relationship and to build that relationship with God and the word and, and in talking to him. Mm -hmm. um, but this is the first time I had heard it coming out of Mormonism. Um, Denver Snuffer just really promoting spending that time and building mm -hmm. that relationship. Relationship. So, so interjecting so, a question right here. Yeah. Uh, where was your husband during this time that you're finding Denver Snuffer? Had he yes. left the LDS faith? So that's a great point? question because <laughs> at that point, before I started to head this way, he had said, "Well, we don't know of a better." We don't know of a better option. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, like all our years growing up in Mesa and Gilbert, Arizona, we had never met a Christian in our lives. Really? Yeah, at least not one that was 
alive in Christianity enough to, for us to see that there mm. was a difference about him and that they yeah. would even speak about it. And so, um, so he said, this is the best we know of how to raise a family. So at that point, we knew there was issues, but he wanted to just remain status quo, mm. not okay. rock the boat. So he was at that place. So when I started to head this way and started, because I was spending more time with God, you know, just trying to pray, even though now I know it wasn't really the same God. Yeah, journey, God was, was still, yeah, God was still meeting me there. Mm -hmm. I think maybe honoring my desire to know Him. You know, now I see there was deception in those moments, mm -hmm. but not. But there were moments mm -hmm. that I know it was God that was still there with me. Um, so, so in that time, um, my husband just thought as he started to read, because I, I got so excited about Denver Suffer after reading The Second Comforter, I bought every book oh <laughs> that he had oh written. And that, as of now, he's written <laughs> about 16. I had a, quite a collection. So he picked up the one that got Joseph, I mean, that got um, Denver Suffer excommunicated, which is Passing the Heavenly Gift. He picked up that one and he just got a pit in his stomach. And he's like, this is worse Ooh, <laughs> than Mormonism. Whoa. And so, um, and, and you know, it's at the time, I was I was really thinking he was going to come alongside me in this yeah. in this um, you know movement and um, but he's like I just can't go there Jolene and so he actually clung tighter to Mormonism really? at, for a time for a short time uh -huh. then the story continues as it goes okay. by okay. Um, but yeah so he clung tighter um, and at that point our marriage was really like on the rocks. We were already struggling a little bit before. He was a yeah, busy attorney, yeah. would get home at eight o'clock every night. And, um, and so then um, at this point, when we were just, our marriage was really suffering, I was on this path, just feeling more alive than ever in this Denver Snuffer movement. And he's just clinging to the Mormon church because he doesn't know of anything different. Yeah. And, um, we went on a hike, you know, just with um, some friends, um, just about 45 minutes from our house. And it was there on that hike um, at a little park, out, you know, just right near the hike, um, that we met this couple. And the, the gentleman was a man, is a man from, um, from um, Nepal. He used to be Hindu. And then his wife, um, who has, they've become our dear friends. And she is just, an amazing evangelist. She speaks and walks Jesus wherever she goes. The first Christian I really knew ever. Oh. So right there, first time we met them, they're with their four little girls. Um, they start to share their story. And she shares that she grew up a missionary child in Austria. Her family, you know, her parents were American, but they have felt to go on a mission to, um, to Europe, to Austria. And they lived there 30 years. They would drive a little tea bus and they would, um, they would drive to the Holy Spirit Spirit kind of showed them where to stop, and they'd serve coffee and tea and preach the gospel. Wow. So she shares that in this first meeting, I know. And and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to know more. <laughs> and so, um, so she had to change her baby's diaper, and our daughter, our older daughter, who was at the time about 16 years old, her and I follow her to the car. She probably thought we were kind of crazy. But <laughs> so without James hearing my husband, I just kind of whispered to her, I'm like, so we're really on this journey to try and find like truth, and we're you know we're in you know we're Mormon, but we're, we want to know truth and um, how can we know more? And turns out she lived just like around the corner from me. Oh. So God was amazing uh -huh. to put uh -huh. this little family. But is this before this you joined the Snuffers? Um, I was in it. I was still you in, were the, in it mm -hmm. at the time that you met. Yeah, them. and I mm -hmm. still believed um, that you know the Denver Suffer movement was yeah. the right movement. Yeah. But something about Amy and 
and the way that she was sharing the gospel and Jesus mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. drew me. And I was like, you know, it started to open my eyes. I'm like, I want to know more about what yeah, she's saying. Yeah. Um, but I still very much was believing in, still in, in the, the yeah, in snuffer. Yeah. It's in the, the snuffers, like you mentioned, um, they believe in, um, in Joseph Smith very much that he's a true prophet mm -hmm. and they still believe in the Book of Mormon, um, but that every, the church has veered off ever since Joseph Smith yeah, was martyred. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, so I was still believing that. that. So, yeah. So, 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 yeah. Uh, so what, does, does Denver Snuffer have a name for his? Is he a group? Is an organization? Yeah. Does he have a name they don't, for it? Yeah, they don't really have an organization that I know of now. Now, it's been five years since I left the Denver Snuffer Movement, mm -hmm. but what they do call themselves now is the Remnant Movement. The Remnant Movement. Mm -hmm. okay. So I don't believe they're a 501c3 or anything like that yet. So it's um, not a group like a polygamy group organization? No, no, is. no. Yeah, it's just, um, it's just a group of believers, and at the time that I was, that I was with them, and this was five years ago, they were about to 2,000 members. Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to find something because I wanted to know and now, ask. I, I, I've been looking into this yeah. some, you know, before okay. our interview. I found yeah. an article in 2017. Okay. They estimated there was somewhere between five and 10,000 oh, wow. uh, followers okay. in the okay. 49 in forty nine of our states State. plus other countries. Oh, wow. But it said that most of the followers are ex-Mormons. Yeah or current Mormons. Okay. okay, that would make sense. Yeah. yeah. But wow, yeah, because I read something that said thousands, but it didn't give me a number, so right. that's, a, that's yeah, that so is, interesting yeah, to know that. Yeah, there's still quite a wide, five to 10,000. That's know, a big... That draw people. <laughs> yeah. Does he encourage yeah. people to, to follow him as a prophet, like Joseph um, Smith At did? first, he was very careful not to call himself a prophet, and he didn't want anybody to call him a prophet. But now, I think, even though he may not promote himself and use the word prophet, he does include himself as a prophet. In yeah. fact, they've got um, a new canonized scriptures that they have, you know, said this is their canon. And the last volume, the third volume, is a teachings and commandment volume, and it includes Joseph Smith, and which Denver Snuffer said that, I remember, I believe I remember this, right, that if, if Hiram Smith had not died with Joseph Smith, that he would have been the successor prophet. Um, and, then, and then he includes himself. So that right there kind of tells mm. you he believes those mm. that was the progression of that he, mm -hmm, is, that a he is a prophet at that point then. Mm -hmm. uh, well, if he has visions and writes all these volumes, oh, he's yeah. got to oh, yeah. consider himself uh -huh. some oh, value yeah. in that area. Yes. Um, now, you mentioned uh, in, in our conversation that yeah. he had initially thought that he had to uh, recover some lost information, lost papers mm -hmm. or documents or teachings mm -hmm. or whatever. How... Yeah. What's the what's the full story on that as far as okay. Denver Snuffer claims? So he he is quite the historian and I think um um and he's always been very interested in just the very old books and go to all the old bookstores and estate sales and acquire anything he could get that yeah. Joseph Smith wrote and just different articles and so um so he's pieced together some of these things that he's found from written by Joseph Smith and maybe Hiram Smith and that's mm -hmm. part of that third volume. Yeah, that's part of it. Uh -huh. But so he, he also claims, yeah, that he has had multiple visions and appearances, like actual appearances from Jesus himself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Joseph Smith, that Joseph Smith has appeared to him mm -hmm. as well, um, revealing all these um, new things that Joseph Smith didn't have time because he was martyred to truly reveal. And also he says that it was the people at the time, the LDS community at the time, or the Mormon community at the time of Joseph Smith, that were not following God properly and so God withheld. Mm -hmm. okay. So now okay. he's revealing okay. new. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, every breakaway sect of oh. Mormonism, they have to recover something that they claim mm-hmm. was lost by other prophets or, 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 or teachings or lost pages or lost gospel oh, or, yeah. or lost priesthood. Their, their opinion of God must be pretty low that they oh. don't think he can hang on to these things. You're so right. And that they're so lost. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they've yeah. all got to do that, though. I oh, guess that's yeah. where they get their their authority is to recover something lost. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So... Did he ever remark or teach that the Bible has the information? Now, you say you, that he wanted you to grow closer to, yeah. he was teaching how you to grow closer to Christ. Christ. Did he ever bring the Bible into teaching mm. how you could get closer to Christ? Not too much. Most of the time, it was more about your personal revelation and his revelation. But it's interesting, and part of our journey, it was huge part of our journey, was that when my husband saw that here I am veering off from traditional Mormonism um, into this, you know, into this um, group, Group, um, that he, that after meeting our you know new friends, our new Christian friends, mm-hmm. and we got closer to them, she recommended that we go to marriage counseling with her pastor, and mm-hmm. um, and so of course when we went into the office, um, well we met him at his house and just found him to be so delightful. My husband actually didn't realize he was a pastor, oh, <laughs> so it's okay. kind of an interesting, interesting story how that happened. Yeah. But in that process, it was really amazing, and my husband always says it was just such a turning point was when the pastor looked at him and he said, do you believe in absolute truth? And James said at the time, you know, he had his new age buddy, had his family so strong in the Mormon church, me on this path. And he's like, he was, you know, he wanted to say, well, maybe everybody has their own truth. But he said he couldn't bring himself to say that, you know, especially with the logical mind of an attorney. He's like, no, I believe there's got to be absolute truth. So the wow. so the pastor looked at him and said, "Well, then you have the responsibility to find it." Wow. And so then he went on a journey, That's and he good. felt like God said, "Read my words, read mm-hmm. the words of Jesus." So he snuck into a little like um, <laughs> Christian bookstore and bought his first red letter Bible, oh, awesome. <laughs> and started to read the with uh-huh. new eyes uh-huh. the the words of Jesus. And right. so always oh, and, so and God grateful. promises, if you truly seek Him with all your heart, you will find yeah. Him. Oh, so yeah. There's just no way yeah. that that, that mm-hmm. can not happen. So he found him, and so after a few months of just really, you know, devouring the word and just studying it with new eyes, I I saw a changed man. Even though I was I was really upset, he wasn't with me on my path. Right. But yeah, I started to see a man that instead of coming home tired and watching TV. He was devouring the Bible. Mm, he was in the Bible. So nice. He was reading five other Christian books at the same time. Yeah. He just couldn't get enough. And so um, it's just amazing how well, it got. In, now, in most of these Mormon break-off sects, yeah. you know, like Demers mm-hmm. Number is, yeah. um, they do not hold the Bible as any authority or just maybe yes. a minor authority in yes. some issues. Exactly. What does Sneffer do with that? Yeah, so... <clears throat> So with Snuffer, he he says that no, like what Joseph Smith said, you know, the one of the articles of faith we know says we believe in the Bible as far as it's translated right. correctly, right? So he holds on to yeah, that. Yeah, so he holds on to that. What and that's what's very interesting. Um, so he, you know, yeah, you don't really find it there. In fact, I think it's worse than yeah, in yeah. the traditional LDS church. Yeah, yeah. yeah, really. yeah. So um, it's interesting with um, the Bible, just I think this is important to know, Joseph Smith, 
did um, his own translation of the Bible. Mm -hmm. They say he wasn't able to finish it because he was martyred. But but their new canon, this Dunmer Snuffer movement, the remnant movement, they have a new canon of scriptures, which includes the Joseph Smith-inspired version of the Old Testament and New Testament. And so, oh, I mean, there's some real dangerous things in there. I'll tell yeah, you, Ezekiel yeah. 14, where it talks about, like, if you look if you look to a prophet and not and not to God for answers, mm -hmm. and that and then it goes on to say that the the punishment of that prophet um, will be the same. Your, your punishment will be the same as the prophets. You know, I don't know if you recall that part in the in Ezekiel 14. It says that um, Joseph Smith changed it. I remember this. This really spoke to me in that journey of trying to figure out truth, where Joseph Smith changed it to say that your punishment will be not the same as the prophet, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so that you won't be you won't have the same condemnation and punishment if the prophet's off. So basically, saying follow the prophet, God won't condemn you. You yeah, need to follow. Yeah. The and, and that's what all the polygamy groups teach it. Oh, yeah. Pardon me, and the Mormon church teaches yeah. that. If they teach you to do something yeah. wrong, do it anyway. Yeah. You'll be blessed and he'll yeah. be the one that has to yeah. suffer. And that the prophet will die. Well, Joseph Smith did die. But, mm, <laughs> but exactly. Word. But you were talking about the canon. That was such an important <clears throat> part of the journey when my husband, or not the canon, I'm sorry, about the Bible. That was an important part of the journey. So as my husband started to devour the Bible and really understand it, mm -hmm. he found it so important to figure out, can I trust this Bible? Yeah, that, and was, that was one yeah, of my first things, I bet too. he went through, he did so mm -hmm. much research, so much that now my um, he's leaving the law profession, and well, he's still in it, actually, yeah. but he's slowly leaving it because he feels called to go to seminary and study the Bible more, yeah. but but he, um, but the Bible, like, he saw that there's so much evidence for it, and there's none there for is. the Book of Mormon. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, you talked about some of the teachings yeah. Let, let's go into some of his odd teachings. Oh yes, yes. Uh, that he and and we're gonna we've got just a couple of oh, minutes okay, now, okay, but yeah. then we, we've got another show we're gonna do okay, too. Yeah. Uh, but he said that you could get closer and more perfect by being baptized mm -hmm. uh, in living water over and oh, over yes. again. Oh yes. Let's talk about that. Yeah, what that's is this? Over, what, first of all, what's living waters? How okay. do you get it? Where do you find it? Yeah. And how many times is this over and over again? Oh included? yeah, yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> I can't even remember how many times at the time, you know, I was just thinking, um, because, okay, you were talking about biblical grace. And so that kind of leads into this conversation of the, of being baptized so many times. Yeah. There, it's it's that whole carrot on the stick. You know, um, in the in Second Nephi, it says you are, you are um, saved by grace only after all you, after can, all do. you can do. So he lives on that after all you can do. That's Denver Snuffer. So he actually says that you cannot be saved unless you become what Joseph Smith said Jesus was, the mm -hmm. prototype of the saved man. Joseph Smith said that. Um, so he says, until we become like Jesus, we cannot be saved. And so this baptism, this baptism process is like they believed every time you were baptized, you were getting closer, closer to closer, closer to being like Jesus. Uh -huh. It's very condemning because, of course, we know so how will never be. How often do you be baptized? Uh, oh, there were people getting baptized every weekend. I would say I really? probably for the two years I was in it, maybe once a month. I mean, it was You'd get rebaptized. Yeah, and living water is like any um, natural body of water, like a lake or yeah. a river or an ocean. Not standing water. No standing water. Okay. Yeah, and Not so there. Cool. 
one yeah, in the bathtub. I knew of people that they would break the ice. I mean, I have to say, the people that are in this movement, mm -hmm. they they want God. They mm -hmm. so I I don't want anybody to think that I'm speaking bad of them. I and I want Christians out there to to become friends with them, just like people did for right, us, because right. they are hungry for truth. They're hungry for God so much that they are willing to go through so much to follow this guy because they don't know any better. They haven't mm -hmm. read the word. And, and that's why yes. we're doing this mm -hmm. so that people, you know, who Can, are searching for God exactly. will, will take the opportunity to hear what you have to say mm -hmm. and do their own search, do their yes. own research, not oh, listen yes. to a man. We're out of time exactly. for this time. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, however, we are going to do another and do okay. part two of yeah. Jolene's story because there's certainly a lot more to tell. We want to thank her for coming and sharing yeah. uh, the information that she's learned from her experiences of being part of the LDS mm -hmm. Church yeah. and of the Denver Snuffer Movement. Um, yeah. And so the next time will be the final show in this series of why should people follow uh, a man <laughs> and, and what they say Jesus wants when they can just follow Jesus mm -hmm. and, and know firsthand a personal relationship with him, what he wants without a mediator between him and Jesus or she and Jesus. So yeah. thank you for watching and we'll see you next time with part two of Jolene Phelps' testimony. Thank you. Thank you. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.